It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbeck and Cole Bourne Bergstrom. Welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Steinbach. I'm with Colville Bergstrom. Uh, it's been a minute since we have uh, been talking to you guys. Uh, we had to put our weekly schedule a little bit on hold from last week uh, because we tried to get some stuff in the works. I don't want to, I, I don't think we're at liberty to say uh, quite yet, only because that'd be unprofessional. And also, we don't want to jinx it. Uh, but hopefully, we can get some big stuff out to you guys soon. Um, but in the meantime, we're back. I wanted to make sure we pumped one out this week because uh, we just couldn't wait any longer. You know, had some fresh stuff. A lot of stuff has happened since, we, since our last podcast. I just looked back. Our last podcast that we did together because we had the NHL special uh, yeah. with uh, Nels Williams and Sean Lamba. Our last podcast came out on June 25th. So it's it's definitely been a while uh, since we talked to you guys. We are recording this June, uh, July 8th. So hopefully we uh, all had a safe and fun 4th of July. I hope you get to see your family. Uh, hope you did it safely and all that. Uh, but since then, I, w- I want to welcome you in first. So, Colby, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, not much to complain about. I've been enjoying my work schedule. Uh, very happy to be back. It's uh, obviously been a bit, and obviously we had July 4th weekend. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it's been good, and it's been uh, good in the sports world. Or at least, you know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the sports world. Excited. There definitely is. There definitely is. I want to start off today with a small anecdote that I think some of our listeners might be able to relate to. So this is a sports podcast and I mean, we're sports fans. So we dabble every once in a while into the world of gaming. And I, I was just thinking to myself the other, the other day, this was about a week ago at this point, it was uh, Friday, July 2nd. So last week I had recently bought a new Nintendo Wii, not new, but used off of eBay. The reason why is because I wanted to play one of my favorite games of all time, one of my favorite sports games of all time, Mario Super Sluggers. Now, this sounds insane, but so I got the Wii, I got everything set up, and I have the game in my basement. I haven't played it in years because my sister took the Wii when she moved out, and I get it. I'm excited. It's all set up in my room, got it on the TV, opened up the game case, and the game's not there. So I lost the game, I lost the disc years ago, or she took it or something, or it's wherever. It's it's gone. It's in the universe. So I did something on last Friday that might sound crazy, but I feel like there is something that everyone can relate to in this. Let me just explain. It was about 11.30 in the morning, and I head over to my local GameStop, and I... And I want to find this game, but I I know that GameStop probably won't have it. It's old. You know, they're trying to phase out all that Wii, uh, Xbox 360, PS3, you know, that kind of generation. They're trying to phase out all those games. So uh, I go over there and they don't have it, which makes sense. But the guy uh, working at GameStop, he gives me a couple business cards about some places I could go check out about some other places with retro gaming stores. To make a long story short, I head over there. They don't have them. Uh, I found some other stuff that I enjoyed. I ended up spending like $300 total that Friday. It was a very good day for me. Um, but I ended up calling over 20 stores. And I live in Metro Detroit. So I, I, event- I eventually got down to two stores, and the rest of them were either other GameStops or they were in Canada. So I had no other options. I finally get to my last stop. I ended up driving like three hours 
uh, you know, I'm spending all this money. Uh, I'm wasting all this gas in my brand new car that I just got. Um, I, I had a blast. It was fun. And it was fun to finally track it down. Uh, I even got one. I, I even, <laughs> there was one time I, one of the stores said they had it and I went out to go get it. I was like halfway there and they called me back and they say, Oh, sorry, the disc is broken. So then I had to stop driving and I had to go somewhere else. That was in the completely opposite direction. It's basically, here's what I'm trying to get at with this. Is there a sports game for you that you would go through such lengths to find if you, if you had to go, you know, find a copy of a game, you know, you get a new console, you have an old console that the game doesn't work anymore. And you don't want to wait on eBay. Like I could have, I could have just gone on eBay. I could have just gone on Amazon, you know, find someone else who's selling this game uh, online and they just shipped it to me in a couple of days. But I wanted that instant satisfaction. I wanted to go in, hand over some cash and just get the game, come back home, plug it in and we're ready to roll. Is there a sports game for you that you would go to such lengths to find? Wow. I, I really appreciate it. I really, I, I like the story and it's good that, you know, it at least ended with it, but, uh, sports games wise, I mean, the, the genre itself can be very repetitive, but that doesn't mean it's still not enjoyable. So I would say the only game that I would really look for sports wise would be either super Mario sluggers or it'd be, uh, Oh, what's the other one? It's like Super Mario Soccer All-Stars or something like that. Like the original one. Like I think there's like a second one that dropped. I never touched that one. I think that was mostly because it was on a different console. But those two games, like Mario Sports had it with those two. Those were really good games. Um, yeah, no, for me, I'd more be hunting, hunting down other games. Like if I ever lost like Last of Us, like that's probably my favorite game of all time. No, I'm feeling you on that. And the sports, definitely the sports genre does feel repetitive. I agree with the notion of like NBA 2K has gotten worse. Um, but at the same time, I can also understand that my reign of playing 2K was pretty much 2K15 to 2K17. Uh, and I played, I, I believe I played, um, no, I played 2K16. I played 2K16 through 18. And I think I got 2K19 after the NBA season when they had a sale on it. And it was only for like $3 in the summer. Uh Mm-hmm. so when it comes to that you know the gameplay it's making minor alterations the story modes aren't great um you know all the uh, in-game transactions that are plaguing games nowadays uh, that can definitely ruin it but i you know when it comes to a topic like this i mean you're talking uh i feel like a popular game that would come up would have to be ncaa football 14 i feel like that's a game well first of all it's in rare air already you know and it's in such high demand uh, for people who love those games and they don't make them anymore. They're coming out with a new college football game in a couple of years. Uh, now with all the NIL stuff, this is actually a good segue, but I feel like that's a popular game. I feel like some people might have personal connections to, you know, uh, a certain year of FIFA or, you know, a certain Madden game, just kind of stuff like that. I, I agree with you. The, the Mario uh, sports games are definitely some of my favorites. Um, I know one game that I've been really pumping out on my Switch. Uh, I got the NES Classic Collection, and I have uh, the NES Open Golf. That game is fun, and I've burned way too many hours on it. Um, it's very simple. It's honestly better than the new Mario Golf game. I did get that. Uh, the new Mario Golf, it's just it's a little slow for me. Um, the NES Golf, it's, it's very fast-paced. Obviously, you don't have the online multiplayer or whatever, but 
you know, very fast paced. You just get through the holes. You know, I, I, I can beat a 36 hole tournament in like 20 minutes. Um, and I've gotten quite good. Like I can consistently score like close to 20 under in, in 18 holes. So, uh, I've definitely, uh, made that a time sink, but I, I feel that this is a topic that our listeners could relate to, uh, when it comes to, uh, just whatever sports video games you played either growing up or, you know, whether it be presentation wise, gameplay wise, whatever memories you have with it. Uh, I think this is something that a lot of people can share their opinions on and share their feelings about, you know? Yep. I agree with that. And definitely what so, a game to go and hunt down though. Like that, that was a really solid game. Oh dude. It's so fun. I've, I, I've definitely burned the last couple of days just going through it. Beat challenge oh, mode and like beat challenge mode in like two hours just to make sure I got all the characters uh, and just keep, I I, I just, yeah, I've been playing the Jesus out of that one. All right. So I think that's a good segue uh, talking about some NCAA college football, uh, the new video games coming out a couple of years. So with that said, I mean, ever since our last podcast, we we were talking about it. We've talked about it multiple times on this program. Uh, We were talking about NIL laws and July 1st was the superstorm. We, We were talking about how, certain states had their own things going on. And the NCAA said on July 1st, all right, the floodgates are open. It's okay. Uh, some states are still behind, i.e. Virginia. Uh, I know that Michigan has something on the table. I don't know if it's this year or years in the future. But as soon as this, as soon as this happened, it was going crazy. Social media was on fire. Um, I mean, we were talking about NCAA memes. We were talking about I, I, the first thing I saw I follow a lot of Michigan State people, so I mean I don't, I don't need to uh, advertise their podcast. But the host of the Locked On Spartans podcast got a Michigan State football player, got the Michigan State kicker, to endorse their podcast on Twitter, and that was the first thing I saw of you know college athletes getting compensated and outwardly saying, "Hey, go listen to the Locked On Sports uh, podcast." And man, it, it was so much fun watching this because it went in so many directions. You had people promoting their own stuff, but then you had things like with Virginia Tech football. Uh, the one I remember is uh, Trey Turner, wide receiver. He gets on and he got paid by a, a UVA fan account to say that Diablo fan account was the best Virginia Tech fan account on Twitter. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. The fact that fan bases now can interact with athletes uh, to basically create trolling is great because everyone on Twitter is in their own little bubble. The athletes have their own thing going on. Sometimes they're not as involved, but the fact that they can get involved now and it can be used to troll, I think is spectacular and it's great on the athletes and we're seeing so many things come out. I mean, come on. We were talking about how this is going to change the college football landscape. Look at university of Miami and the fact that all of their players are going to get like $6,000 because of a local <laughs> sponsorship ponying up like half a million. Like, are you kidding me? Yep. That's, that's insane. But it's the kind it, of stuff that's going to happen. It's the kind of stuff that's going to happen. And like all those big powerhouse programs are going to have donors. Uh, I mean, Spencer Rather, Oklahoma just signed with Raisin freaking Canes. Like, come on, man, that's insane. And it's so good that's, to see. That's insane, um, yeah. yeah. We got a couple of Virginia tech athletes. Uh, I think the, I think, Oh man, I forget her name, and I it's just we, popped we, in my we head. got we got I think Storm and Hunter Gator both signed with Barstool. Yes, but they also had a uh, Virginia Tech also had a female uh, lacrosse player. Yep, uh, who 
has joined I, I gotta look up her name because i just thought of her and i feel so yeah, bad yeah, for yeah. forgetting she, um, she was the first to join barstool and then she was quickly followed by storm and hunter like a couple days yes. after kennedy lynch i think was the first i think the first athlete to sign with barstool either that or she was one of the first so it was very awesome so. to see and then of course storm murphy and hunter couture also getting their deals i don't know how lucrative these deals are i've seen that some people have researched them and it's nothing more than just a post on the blog uh and just like some free merch here and there. But even still, anything is something. Like Miles Bridges, who played at Michigan State, got in trouble and had an investigation over his mom having like a $40 lunch being taken care of by Michigan State by like Tom Izzo and his assistant coaches. And Miles Bridges goes on Twitter and is like, hey man, can I get my 40 bucks back? Uh, so it's very, it's very great to see everything that's going on. Uh, the landscape of college sports is definitely changing and now we're looking back to the past even a little bit too with this whole heisman uh group and reggie bush you know trying to get his heisman back the heisman group wants the ncaa to reinstate his record um and you know I, i'm on that boat too i think that he should get his uh records back get his get back into the heisman uh group and man it's just it's just so exciting to see and hopefully you know, the rest of these states really get uh, in line with the times and, you know, more NIL laws passed or are passed and any restrictions are lifted uh, against college athletes because, you know, they're just trying to make money off of their worth because they are worth a lot. And, you know, they provide a lot of value that, and they don't see any return on it, but now they finally are. And it's great to see. Yeah, no, it's great for them. I'm really excited that they're going to be able to get all these opportunities. And I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, not only for us, but for people, hopefully this, this leads for more fun and exciting opportunities, whether, you know, uh, with the boys signed down to Barstool, maybe they would, uh, they're going to hop on like a short segment or something with them. Uh, you know, if you, you have Raising Canes with Spencer Rattler, maybe he's going to make a commercial with them or something. It, it'd be cool to see some of those players do like, like a local commercial and whatnot. It'd be cool to see him get these opportunities, uh, from not only these big businesses, but maybe this is an opportunity for like local businesses. Like, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice to even see some of those get their names shot out, particularly the like really, really, really good ones. It, it will be like really good for those communities because college communities are really good at supporting things, particularly if they have the knowledge of how good it is. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and honestly, if I was, it, it's great to see the uh, college, uh, it's great to see the student athletes pretty much post on their social media. Hey, DMs are open. My email's open for any business inquiries. Yep. Um, all I know is that if I was a, uh, if, I, if I was a student athlete, I would definitely be sponsored by Blacksburg number one for free. That place is the bomb. This is a free endorsement on this podcast of the best restaurant in the town. And you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. And if they want to hit me up with some NIL stuff, go right ahead. <laughs> I, I think that I feel like a meal, like if you're on the Spencer Rattler level, if you're getting endorsements from restaurants, I feel like that's got to come with free food, right? That's got to come with some kind of perk like that, whether that's just like a free side of cane sauce. I feel like, I feel like it's just got to be like free I, I, I cane hope, sauce. I hope they just give them like Uber like delivery, like after games and be like, Hey, this is, this is for the week. I hope you enjoy. Here, here's, here's a meal or two. If he doesn't have a six, if he doesn't have a six piece box in his locker after every quarter. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to see a promo immediately of him, like during halftime, eating a piece of uh, Raising Games chicken. Why not have some of the advertising that he has to do for them 
Why doesn't he change some of his, change some of his audibles? 32 ounce, sweet tea, mm. uh, side of coleslaw, extra toast, you know, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm happy for him because if he gets any free food, I would be using that up as much as I can because Raising Cane's is delicious. And the fact that I live in Michigan and don't have one within a 100-mile radius of myself, uh, it's very disappointing. Uh, so good on him. But, man, if you, if you can get a food sponsorship and it gets you free food, especially as a college athlete too, because like on a more serious note, these college athletes sometimes don't have time to eat. And if they can get yeah. free food and they like don't have a job that they can work at, uh, man, good on them. I, I'm really happy for them. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right, so I want to stick with Virginia Tech a little bit, a little bit of Virginia Tech basketball. Uh, some news. Uh, so uh, the NBA draft deadline has passed uh, for anybody who entered their name in uh, to the draft process to decide whether or not they're coming back to school. Kevin Luma is coming back for Virginia Tech. He had his name in the NBA draft process. Uh, I think I want to say for two months. That sounds about right. Um, so obviously a big addition to welcome him back to the team. Uh, all ACC second team, uh, getting him back, getting Storm Murphy into the program as well is definitely going to be it's something we've been looking forward to for this season. But a little bit of bad news with the good news. Uh, Tyree Stratford has entered the transfer portal. And look, at the end of the day, uh, for me personally, I think when it comes to the team, the, the, dynam- the dynamic play of Tyree Stratford that we've watched over the past two years, uh, it definitely hurts this team's ceiling, in my opinion. This is a team that looking at it before uh, I was considering this, I mean, one of the best uh, starting lineups and one of the better benches in honestly, not just the ACC, but I think it could compete with the rest of the country. Um, and I'm not saying they still can't. It's just that when you lose a player like that, it's, it's tough to make up that ground. You're definitely going to need to see some players on the bench that might not have gotten the same minutes step up a little bit more. Um you know, talking about like Darius Maddox, looking uh, for him to make a big jump in his second year, David Gasson, um, Hunter Couture oh, yeah. is probably going to be thrust into the starting lineup and he doesn't, he hasn't started a lot. He's kind of been that sixth man. Obviously you, you lost Jalen Cohn. So there's also another player uh, that's gone this year. Um, looking forward to him torching Gonzaga when they play them this, uh, this upcoming season though. But I mean, in all seriousness, uh, I hope he finds whatever he can. Uh, if he ends wherever he ends up going, because I'm pretty sure he, I, I don't think he can come back. Right. I don't think he can. Well, no, I'm sure he can, but um, I, I didn't mean, he doubt he will. I, I, think, I think there's a possibility that he can rescind it. It's just, I don't think there's many players that like actually rescind. They're going to the transfer portal. Cause if you go into the transfer portal, like they're, they're going to leave. Like right, they don't right. want to be in the program. This is, this isn't the same as like exploring your options in the NBA. This is like, okay, I need to go somewhere else. That's, that's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah, that that's what it is for most players. I, I I don't know if they can come back, honestly, but yeah. Um, no, I I guess for me, like, he's a big loss. I one hundred percent agree, but I personally think that we do have the players that can make up for it, even without transfers currently. Now, I'm not saying like bench wise. I think our bench has lost a lot with losing Cone and Radford and having to move some guys up. Uh, we also even lost like uh, Bam and Steel as well. But uh, I think right now, if we were to have a like, I would feel pretty comfortable having a starting five of Storm Murphy, Naheem Aline, Hunter Couture, uh, Jalen Mutz, and Kevin Aluma. I mean, it's it's still we don't have like a natural center. I think that's the one thing you and I have 
harped about for a while. Like we really, it would be nice to have a guy that can just be under the basket and give good rebounds for us offensively or defensively. However, I think Hunter Couture is a really good player and I think he's an incredible defender. Uh, he, at one point uh, he was like, what leader in like taking charges in a game or something like that uh, in, in the NCAA, or at least he was drawing like a charge a game. So he's good at using his body defensively and he's also good at getting the ball. So I would love to see him get more minutes and the one thing with Aline, which I think can be talked about throughout his time at uh, Virginia Tech, is just a consistency thing. He's an incredible player. Think about the Florida game. He was the reason why we competed with Florida. He put up like 30 points. He was on fire. But then I remember other times in the season where he'd go one, to, one for nine from the field or one for 11 from the field. So it's, it's literally just that making sure that he can get like at least an average of like 15 plus a game obviously be amazing to, or not even 15 honestly because that, that's probably like storm murphy uh, storm murphy range like if he can get 13 plus a game if he can be like our second or third scorer maybe behind uh keve as well if we can get decent points out of him in like a decent field goal average consistently this team is still in a nice spot the only like the biggest thing we're losing with radford is we're losing that interior game and that confident drive game from a guard so it's, it's sad to see him go, but I think there's still a lot of potential in this team personally. Um, I, I guess what we're talking about as well, I do want to see, I, I would be surprised if we don't have the same moment, but do you have a favorite moment of Radford, uh, Radford's time at BT, uh, assuming that he is gone? Oh, boy. Um, just trying to think of one right now. Um, I mean, he's had some electric dunks. Uh, yep. I, I can't name. Yeah, w- w- one isn't coming to mind right now. But, I mean, every game – but that's the thing, too. I don't think any one game stands out personally for me. I mean, uh, I, th- I think he had a – down the stretch last season, he had a lot – he had a lot of really, really good games. Um, but every night he brought that same consistency of toughness and just energy and, you know, a lot of hustle plays, always, you know, grabbing rebounds, always leading the team in rebounds, uh, and always getting, like – you know, somehow getting to double digit points every night. Like he was, a, he was a threat for like a walking double, double, but also like he could flirt with a triple double just because of his playmaking skills too. Um, he was a very dynamic player uh, from that position. I, I'm curious to, uh, for you to jog my memory on what your favorite moment of his is though. The, the one moment that I've remembered, I needed to look up which game it was, but it was really the game that broke him out onto the scene for us. His only two points, which was when he had that beautiful driving dunk on UNC to have us win in double overtime at home because I was there for that game. I watched the play. He had a fairly disappointing night. However, that was like the like that was one of the shots he took and it was incredible. And then we held out UNC for the rest of the night. It was a beautiful dunk. It was a beautiful like way to win. And it was like, I remember that was when Radford was starting to just get like more minutes. Like he and Cone were starting to get a lot, uh, a lot more then. So it was like disappointing to see because Radford had been so good up to that point. And then he just slammed that home for the game winning, uh, game winning points. And that was just amazing. The whole, whole of a uh, castle was just electric after that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, getting back in Castle Coliseum to seeing this team play. Oh, um, and you know what? I, I'm 
we should mention Mike Young's extension, uh, extended through yeah. the 2026, 27 season. I, man, I, 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 I love it. I, I love that they're giving him security. I'm loving that they're giving him confidence. Yep. Um, because I've seen nothing in the past two years, but you know, good, solid team building, good, solid coaching. Uh, Mike yep. Young's offensive scheme is very, very beautiful basketball. I mean, the, the passing, um, you know, every once in a while you throw an isolation in there and it, it's just putting his players in positions to succeed. It's like you said, it's just that consistency, uh, yep. knocking down those shots. And the fact that Mike Young gets the culture here too. Um, yep. I think a lot, I think there are some people that are worried because, you know, it's an early extension, you know, it happens when you're confident in a coach. Uh, but then, you know, you look at something like Justin Fuente who gets an early extension, but then, you know, some of the more recent seasons are sowing some doubts in fans. Look, it could happen, but at the same time, I don't want to play the scared guy and be like, Oh, this is just going to happen. Like the, like Fuente. No, I, I still have a little bit of hope. Uh, I still have a lot of hope with Mike Young actually. So, I yep. mean, he still has two scholarships to fill for this upcoming year. And I'm sure that he'll find guys in the portal that can contribute in some way, whether that be getting like another really top end player or just getting some solid guys that can round out that bench unit that uh, with the loss of some of the guys might be looking a little thinner. Um, but other than that, you know, basketball is definitely in good hands and, you know, Mike Young getting his extension when he did uh, is definitely a good sign moving forward for the program. Yeah. I mean, he personally, uh, I mean, as listeners will know, I grew up Kansas, uh, a Kansas fan. And obviously I had a lot of Kansas basketball in the household. Uh, he just reminds me of Bill Self and particularly the, I remember I talked about all the time that one play against Florida, the passing and how crisp it was. Um, but yeah, he runs just such a clean and tight system. And I mean, it's still not even like to full completion. Like we don't, we don't have like, as of, as we talked about that one guy to be under the basket to really help. I think that's the one thing that we're really missing. And like, you know, we're still running an effective offense. So we're still running one of the better offenses in the NCAA, which is incredible when you're still like missing what feels like such a big piece. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so moving off of that, we can get to some more international news. The Olympics are coming up in just under a couple of weeks. And Japan is having a little bit of trouble. Well, here's the thing. So this new Delta variant and like there's a Lambda variant somewhere else. Uh, we're not in a post-COVID society. We're not. Um, I mean, maybe in America, in some places you might be. But the world is definitely not out of the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, I was just looking at, at it today. Uh, and some people were questioning this because I saw a Bleacher Report. I saw it on Bleacher Report first, but there are going to be no fans of the Olympics because there's a state of emergency declaration in Japan regarding the Delta variant. And I'm seeing the comments, and I get it. It's Twitter. It's not necessarily a haven for educated people. But they're saying that, uh, you know, Japan's not dealing with the coronavirus well. It's not necessarily that. It's just the fact that these vaccines aren't as widely available in the world as they are in the United States and in Western Europe. And a lot of people are failing to see that. Um, I mean, I was just looking at it today, Japan, when and it was as of December of 2020. So I don't know how the numbers have changed just yet. I wasn't able to find any information regarding that, but basically as of December, 2020, when vaccines were first being distributed, the United States bought a billion and Japan only bought 290 million. So they are at 29% 
uh, vaccines availability as we are. And that's not going to be quick enough. And I was looking at maps about projected uh, times when they're going to be, you know, 60 to 70 percent vaccination rates. We're going to be hitting that number in the United States in about uh, a couple of months, whereas in Japan, they're probably still a year away from finding that sort of thing. So it's about vaccine availability worldwide. And then I'm going to the countries that are, you know, giving out the most money rather than, you know, you're talking about the countries in the European Union that are buying up the most. And, you know, India had a large population. They bought up a lot. Uh, But then you're looking at countries like Africa who, in Africa, uh, that, you know, aren't going to have those vaccines available until, you know, 2023. It's going to be a while for the rest of the world to really get up to the United States uh, vaccine capacity uh, and vaccine availability and vaccination rates. So it's not necessarily on Japan, I think, because just distribution did not favor them. So yeah, I I don't really know what else to say other than that. It's like Japan is just not having uh, the luck with the timing of vaccine availability. And yeah, there's going to be no fans now at the uh, Olympics. And it's basically going to be an Olympic bubble. And, you know, for, for me personally, the Olympics are... I, I don't find the Olympics overly interesting. Um, you know, when they ever, when they come around every two years, you know, winter variety, summer variety, they never really, I, I don't find myself, it's not appointment watching television for me. It, it really isn't. Um, you know, maybe you have the event every once in a while that you watch, like <clears throat> everyone talks about that 2012 London race where it was the, I think it was the four by 100 meter relay and the United States and Jamaica both broke the previous world record in the same race. Uh, so that that's kind of like, the event where you you want you want to watch and just see what happens but at the same time for me personally it just has not been the olympics haven't been it for me what about you uh i mean if whenever i get around to the olympics if i do watch it uh i haven't really watched for soccer um but i mostly watch for like swimming uh because i grew up a swimmer and uh you know back in the day uh when i really watched it you'd have Phelps and Ryan Lochte and all these people who were just dominant for uh, U.S. men's swimmers. And it was just a lot of fun to watch, particularly with how good Phelps was. Um, but no, I mean, I, I do 100% agree because it was already, I think, what it, it says here in this article that I pulled up that foreign fans were already banned back in March for like for the specific event um, for COVID safety. So this is just like the, the, as you were kind of mentioning the Japan fans, Tokyo fans. Um, and it does blow to not have fans, but at the end of the day, like this is going to be something that is, it's still going to be good for a lot of people to watch. I know it's still very popular. Um, and it's something that a lot of people will tune in for. It's just, it'll definitely be a different vibe. You won't really hear the rooting, um, which obviously has been a thing with a lot of sports. Um, I don't know. I guess it'll be interesting to see if they like funnel in fan noise, but uh, I guess for me, a lot of the Olympic events are very much events that are like they're in the Olympics almost for a reason. So I, I think it's still going to be like, if you want to watch a specific event like swimming, like you're going to tune in no matter what. The fan part, I don't think is going to be as big of a deal for the Olympics. It's just going to be um, at least for people watching in particular, just because you're, you're watching for the sport. So I don't know. I'll, I'll probably try to tune in. I'll definitely, if I can try to tune in for swimming, I will, but that's about it for me. 
Yeah, well, the Olympics have been a topic of discussion here in the United States, uh, not for something like this, but rather for controversy. The problem has been that the Olympic Committee, and I, look, I'm not well researched in this, and I've seen multiple different sources being blamed for these suspensions uh, between the IOC and the WADA. Um, basically, the frontline story is obviously the Chicago Richardson story. And for those that aren't to know, uh, Chicago Richardson is a sprinter for the United States, and she won in Olympic qualifying uh, for the right to go to Tokyo uh, in the 100 meter, or it was the 100 or the 400, and then she had the 4 by 100 meter relay. Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, I, it, think was, I think it was the 100. I'll look up because I think she broke her. Uh, I think it was like she broke a record as well. Okay. Yeah. So she broke in a, uh, an Olympic uh, qualifying record. And it came to be found that she took a drug test and she tested positive uh, for marijuana. Um, and, you know, everything's come out about this with the context of her decision. Uh, and she has handled this very professionally. She's said that she accepts that what she took was a banned substance by uh, the WADA. Um, weed is obviously not some performance uh, enhancing drug like a steroid or, you know, something like that. Um, and look, I, I feel like a lot of people are in the position now in the United States to say that weed is not this horrible drug that like we used to think it was in like the 60s, you know, uh, reefer madness is, I think, for the most part over. Um, there's still some against full legalization, but, you know, you take a look at the world map, the United States and some of Western Europe are really the only countries that are ahead on an issue like this. Whereas, you know, a lot of countries in Asia and Africa and some in South America, South America is still is uh, pretty progressive about it as well. But marijuana use is not tolerated in a lot of the world. And look, I, I the rule needs to change. Um, but it, it's good to see the Shakari Richardson is still handling it professionally. So in that instance, it's very upsetting that she has not been picked for the uh, four by 100 meter relay. Uh, I think that that was because that was a decision I believe made by the United States team rather than a ban because her original ban only banned her for a period of days that would have kicked her out of the 100 meter sprint but the relay she would still be able to do. So I, I believe that was up to the Olympic team. Uh, so that was disappointing. Um, but it, this other thing that happens that was also horrible uh, with an Olympic uh, track and field athlete for the United States, uh, Brianna McNeil has been banned for five years. So this Olympics and the next one, because she missed a, uh, drug test but the reason she didn't go in was because she was on bed rest from an abortion she had to have and she is now banned the olympic committee needs to figure out how to take context into these decisions rules need to be amended they need to be you know talked about in context of situations of these athletes' home lives um, or attitudes within their own country. 
man, that one, that one sunk. And then there was the other one with uh, the swim caps being different. Another female athlete, another black American female athlete, uh, she had to get a different swim cap. Like a, a certain type of swim cap was banned because uh, she was using this type of cap to protect her hair because, you know, doesn't want to ruin the texture of her hair and whatnot. And like, I, I don't see how this is a problem. I don't understand how like committees can just ax things rather than just be like, it's like what I've been talking about with MLB and how I've been so mad about their decisions regarding pitchers and sticky substances. It's like, don't just outright ban things or ban players and be like, Oh, that's wrong. Work with your athletes, work with your athletes, work with your uh, retail or your um, manufacturers of swim caps and, or baseballs that can help the athlete you know, fit to their needs while also abiding by your rules and also fix the rules. This, the, this is all just like a vast power grab. And look, with the Shikari Richardson thing, it's different from the other two because it's, it's, it, it's drug use and the rest of the world isn't very tolerant of marijuana. I do believe that context should be taken into consideration here, but she's still being very professional about it. Um, it's still very upsetting to realize, but with these other two, it's like there's definitely something in the air here when it comes to this, because there, you cannot tell me that there is logic or reasoning behind these motive, behind these decisions without like coming off as as saying, Oh, these aren't racist or something like that. It's like, she couldn't go in because she was on bed rest. And she wanted to not ruin her hair because uh, the texture of her hair is different. So she needs a different swim cap. I don't understand how these decisions can just be made by these people. And they just like scoff at these athletes who are doing this for good reasons. Like they're not like trying to stick it to the man or anything. They're just making decisions regarding their health and their lifestyle. And I don't know. It's it's frustrating and it's disappointing to watch uh, or to see, and it really sucks because obviously, you know, Shakari Richardson and these other uh, women are some of the best athletes in this country, and they won't be able to compete on the world stage. And it's very unfair and very unfortunate for them. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's the common thread of this is uh, really all. Uh, cases with black women I think the business the swim cap was even a uh, I I think it was a black owned business I could be wrong on that but I mean I don't know it's just it's not cool at all um to even follow up on the Shikari Richardson thing we talked about it was like the 100 meter that she'd broken the record for and which still was really great to see um but the fact that she's banned for something that in our state so like like in a lot of our states is starting to become legalized i think it was even particularly her state as well like is like weed is legalized yet she's still banned um and sure i guess you have different rules for different things but you know and then as you said the brianna mcneil thing i think it's something that i may have heard of but now even rehearing it it's absolutely ridiculous um 
And then the swim cap thing completely confused me. Just as you said, you need to let people do what they need to do to have their best health. And you're not only not doing that, but now it feels like you are going after specifically, it seems like, you know, African-American women athletes, and that's not okay at all. That's not cool. And that's not acceptable. And you need to be able to, as you said, specifically, understand where these people are coming from. And if you're on bed rest because you just had an abortion, you should be able to extend that time frame out. Their, their life literally isn't able to work within your guidelines. So you need to be able to work with them. Um, with Shikari Richardson, I think her, uh, her mother had even died as well. I think that was what was the talks about for the most recent thing. Or there, there, I think there was something that happened. I think I saw that as a report. So, like, you need to be able to work with your athletes to be able to make sure that they're as healthy as they can be. And this is different than doping. And why, like, Russian athletes got banned from, like, what, the 2018 Winter Olympics or something like that. Like, this is a different scenario. This isn't performance-enhancing, cheating, any of that. This is... As you point out, people trying to live their lives as best as they can and be as healthy as they possibly can be. And the committee's just taking away from that. And they're having these bans to just kind of feel pointless and stupid and more harmful for the athlete than it being a stamp of the foot on rules. Yeah, so, and we know that uh, during NBC's coverage of the Olympics, these will definitely be the stories that they talk about. Uh, so I, I yep. think it's good to familiarize yourself with them and, you know, you know, le really learn that context because I'm sure that there will be uh, people that stand in solidarity. So it's, under, it's good to understand, you know, where they're coming from and what their thoughts and feelings are. Yep. All right, so I want to move into some uh, other news regarding some other sports. Uh, we were talking about the NHL finals on our previous podcast with Sean Lamba and Nels Williams. Uh, and that just wrapped up last night in five. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champions. Uh, I don't have many comments on them because uh, I don't think I watched much of the series. I was not able to. So, you know, we'll, we'll get uh, Nels and Sean uh, back on to give us a recap uh, here in a minute. Um, not on this show. But definitely, uh, we'll, we'll probably try to get that. We'll probably try to get that out uh, next week. I I, uh, I can't get that yeah. out uh, this weekend, but you know we'll, we'll we'll see what we can do there. Give you guys some more in depth commentary on that. Other than oh, lightning one, good for them. Yay! On to the next on to the next yeah, topic. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that's what you guys do with us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, congrats to them, and uh, I I feel good that I I said that they'd get there. You know, that's a cool pat on the back. But one thing that I actually do want to point out is I saw a tweet from a uh, Barstool Big Cat uh, recently, and he quote tweeted a Tampa Bay Lightning tweet and said, it's insane that this tweet started uh, a back-to-back -back championship run with Tampa Bay Lightning tweeting back in 2019, uh, in like during, after the playoffs in 2019, this, this statement, we don't have any words and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness. Everything you're feeling, we get it. This isn't the ending we imagined, and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. And then after that, they go and win 
back to back Stanley Cups. It's it's you know, it's easily the funniest tweet I've ever seen, and uh, <laughs> it happened. At, they won the President's Trophy that year, which is for most points in an NHL regular season, and they got swept out of the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it's yeah, it's crazy to see how, but it just it just speaks to you know good front office work. Um, good coaching and the NHL is very difficult to win in consistently. Uh, you definitely, you typically have, you know, you know, your powerhouse teams, you know, the penguins have had their run, uh, the Blackhawks, the red wings, uh, in the early two thousands, uh, late nineties were a juggernaut. Uh, Montreal had all their, has, has all their Stanley cups from decades ago. Uh, but in the league now it's very hard to be consistent strictly because the NHL is, you know, evolving and you have injuries, but also you have the uh, analytically it, it's been shown that the NHL is one of the, the luckier sports where luck definitely plays uh, a big role. And if luck is in your favor, you know, you can make a good run, but it just speaks to good, competent front office work. And Steve Eiserman was there. I, I only know so much about Tampa Bay only because he's now the general manager of the Red Wings. Um, so he, he, he really did build a powerhouse uh, team. And now it just goes to show what has been left there by him. And, you know, winning back-to-back Stanley Cups is a feat. I, I, they're the ninth franchise to do it uh, out of like the 30 that they have. So it yeah, de- definitely uh, a big accomplishment for Tampa Bay. And it's ridiculous because Tom Brady moved to Tampa Bay and they already have three championships. Now they have the one last year, they have the Super Bowl that he wins just by showing up. And then they have this. So when's Tom Brady moving back to Michigan is all I'm saying. It's, it's not oh, fair. When, when he was in Boston, the Bruins were winning. It, and now he was winning in Boston when he was there. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. You know, when, when is he going to, as you, as you said, when is he going to go to Detroit? God, he was in, he, when he went to Michigan, I, I saw a graphic. It was when the Red Wings were really, really good. You know, the Pistons weren't awful. The Lions have always been awful, so we're not going to even count them. And the Tigers were pretty bad back too then. So, I, I mean, hey, he got, he, he at least got one team a, a ring. I need something again. I haven't felt anything for so long. Oh, man. But the Tigers won five series in a row. Yay. Oh, God. <sighs> Uh, all right. Well, this is depressing. So we're just going to move on to the next one. Uh, we're going to talk NBA finals. Um, game one is over. Game two is tonight. And well, first of all, congratulations to you. Ever since I called you out on your little uh, prediction there. Um, you've been, you've, you've been pretty solid. You had a son's bucks come true. Um, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so Colburn's uh, on a little bit of a fire streak right now. Um, but uh, we, we can talk NBA finals, uh, game one, pretty close. I wasn't able to catch it, but just looking at how everyone's been reacting to it. I mean, Giannis is coming off an injury from the Easter conference yeah. finals, but he played pretty well. Regardless, Chris Middleton went, d- did really well. Chris Paul, uh, in the closeout game where they finished off the Western conference finals, where they finished off the Clippers, he went off and now he's playing really well on the finals, you know, Devin Booker. Uh, is doing his thing. He got a lot of free throws. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is still there. And then obviously you have the rest of the Suns. Uh, the thing with the Bucks, pretty much that I've been hearing is that this is a close series, but the game one score didn't really indicate that. They just got to make sure they get Drew Holiday going the rest of the way. And if they do, I feel like this series could maybe go the distance. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, in all seriousness, even with the predictions of which is cool, we'll keep going into. Uh, I will say uh, a big thanks for the assist because on, on when I took Bucks, remember it was you that said to be bold because I was I was gonna go with you and say Nets and Suns, but I decided to be bold and I was like, all right, I'll go Bucks and I'll I'll split it and one of us will probably get it and one of us got it. So you know, big big ups with you for the assist on that as well. But in all seriousness, even with the series, um. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it was fairly close. Uh, obviously, as you said, the honest injury is going to be a big factor, um, I think, throughout. Um, I, I think my opinion on the series still stands from where it was, which is it's just going to depend on how healthy Giannis can get, which, sure, if Drew Holiday can start to light up and start to get better, um, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be a lot of help, and that'll really make the series even tighter. Um However, I do also think that, uh, you know, Giannis is kind of still the focal piece of Milwaukee, you know. So he, he, he's the guy they signed down to the big contract. He's the big money guy. He's the face of Milwaukee. So, and, and he's that for a reason. It's with how talented he is. And this injury is not going to be great to play with. And it's going to take away a bit from his efforts. So I think that, if he's able to get a little bit healthier, if the injury is not a nagging thing, I could see this being a Suns and six. But if Giannis either goes down again, or if the injury just persists and he's not able to really get the performances that you'd expect from him, I think a Suns and five. I don't. I don't think this is Suns and four, um, at all. But like you know, even without Giannis, but I think this is going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be close throughout but the Suns are just a really good team they're very healthy they're on fire there's not much you can really do against a team like this I mean I think we talked about it before it almost feels like a team of destiny so I mean I, I guess we'll see as the series keeps going on but I think I'm very confident that it's going to be Suns winning this yeah I think I'm there with you I think the Suns do pull it out I think the Giannis injury I mean, I hate to root. I don't want to sound like I'm rooting for it, but I feel like it will flare up again. I mean, just the way he plays and the type of injury it is, I I can't see him not going down. Chris Middleton's playing really well, uh, but you got to have the rest of your crew pick it up. Um, But even still, the Suns just feel, like you said, team of destiny. And we've been talking about it for for a minute now. Uh, Taking down the Lakers, getting rid of the Nuggets like really, really fast, and then just getting through the Clippers and PG-13. You know, this, this team is really fun and you know it's going to be nice to see them win if they do um but yeah uh, again congrats to you on your finals pick being right um how about i inflate your ego a little bit more now uh and we could find we can get into some euro discussion and uh we can uh, we, we can talk some euros because now the final is on sunday and we do have uh, our final, we have progressed through the knockout stage. We were talking about knockouts the last time we were on. And, um, and kudos to you. You got a little bit, there, there was a little bit of choppiness here and there, but other than that, you got your final, right? And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, now it's just time to see if you get your winner through, which in the same breath, last game, right? Yeah. In the same breath, uh, I'm right there with you. I'm going to be pulling for the same team. Um, 
So, I mean, let's just get down to it. Italy, England um, had some pretty fun uh, round of 16 games, you know, had some pretty tense matchups throughout. I think the highlight matchup that I think we should highlight just really quick is France, Switzerland, only because of the final PK. I feel like that's something that we have to touch on because I feel like that's something that you want to talk about. Oh, for sure. I mean, th- this has been a whirlwind of a knockout stage uh, with a lot of emotions as well. Um, however, to even go into it, so the round of 16, uh, I'm, I'm not going to recap everything. I'm just going to go ahead and say that I got, what was it, three games wrong in the first round. Um, uh, obviously, I have uh, my semifinals. I was just about right in everything in my finals for the teams that are in. I got it right with my semifinals like like the only team I had there that wasn't there was Netherlands. Otherwise I had Italy, England, and Spain. Um, but yeah, I missed on France, Switzerland. I missed on Sweden, Ukraine. And I missed on the one that I swear I talked about it so much. And I'm so sad that I did not buy myself into it. Czech Republic over Netherlands. Like I, I, I missed and I went with Netherlands. I, oh, that disappointed me so much because I was there. I was on the ball with it and I just didn't want to, push it over the edge like it was it was the thing with the nba thing you said for me to go and be bold and push it over i didn't i wasn't bold and i got it wrong and if i was gonna be bold i would have got it right so that blows but for the france switzerland game which was definitely one of the highlights that whole day of soccer was a highlight because you had france switzerland you had spain croatia two incredible matches but france switzerland um I mean, I talked about it. France had been shaky throughout the group stage, and they just didn't feel like the same France that was in the World Cup 2018, um, just with the lack of consistency. And it really did show against Switzerland. Their defense was very poor. Um, uh, letting, like, um, Seferovic shine against them. Uh, I think he had a brace on the day. Um, the game itself was crazy. Uh, Switzerland started off with a one nothing lead, which then came with, uh, uh, like, uh, ended in the first half. And we were like, oh, my gosh, can Switzerland do the upset? And then it was, like, in this 90-second span in the, like, first five minutes of the second half, Benzema made it 2-1 France. Pogba, with the beauty of a shot, made it 3-1 um, with a long shot. And then Switzerland came back in, got extended time. And as you said, then we go to PKs. And it's felt like this the whole tournament. My group chat was on it. I was on it, though I didn't post. I did not post it on uh, my social. I really wanted to. It felt like Mbappe was going to miss. And what a save from Summer. But Mbappe, the young star, the, you know, he's meant to be the star of the next generation. He misses that final penalty. I don't, I don't know if you were able to, like, see the whole match and you saw that in particular, but... He's just been so poor finishing, particularly throughout this tournament. And uh, I, I know you'll have like what you have to, you have on it, but for me, Mbappe needed this poor tournament. He's been so good, and he needs to have a reality check, and he needs to be able to know that he needs to get better at finishing, and he needs to get better at like a couple of these other things that he's missing on right now. I think that this is going to be good for his growth as a player, and hopefully, he can come back into the World Cup 2022 stronger and a better finisher. But what a disappointing outcome, not only for France, but particularly for Mbappe. No. um, Yeah, I was able to catch this game. Pretty much all of it. I was at work, but at my little station, I made sure I had the TV on to the game. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Mbappe had a couple moments in the game that I remember where he yep. wasn't finishing. Uh, so, so I was, I was a little, I was questioning a little bit, but we got the four, four pens and then Switzerland uh, knocks theirs in. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, is it Mbappe time? It is. And I was, I, I was right there with you in the back of my mind. I was like, Oh, he's missing this because that's how sports work. Does it, it's either going to like, if he had the chance to win the game, I feel like he would have made it, but because sports work this way and the sports gods determined, okay, we're just going to have the star miss. And that's just how it works. So, uh, I had that feeling on him missing as well. And then it happened and I was like, Oh man, I'm sure Twitter is blowing up about this. So, um, it was definitely an entertaining game. France, uh, they got back in it because Switzerland was up for a while and then France just peppered them with goals. They got up two one real quick. They got up three one, but then they let Switzerland back in the game and then it went into PKs and that spelled the end for them. So really France just holds on, you know, we could be talking about them at least in the semifinals, uh, maybe even the finals, but yeah, no, just, just them failing to really put Switzerland away. Um, but that's it, really, it, it killed them. Was- yeah, that was really the game of the round of 16, like uh, of the like the first part of the round of 16, though. That was definitely the most exciting one of that round. But, I mean, then if you're even moving forward as well, um, you know, you have England, Ukraine, which was uh, – I remember talking about this with England, that if they were able to find multiple goals against Germany, I could see them getting momentum and see them – like the more goals that they're able to score in matches, the more confidence they would get. And they got a 4 nothing win over Ukraine. Uh Helping kind of build that confidence. Denmark looks incredible during this group stage. I do want to point that out. They've looked incredible ever since the, uh, I mean, honestly, ever uh, ever since after the Ericsson incident with Finland, and it's still great to see that he's back up and getting healthy and everything. But like ever since that, they looked good against Belgium. They almost upset them in the second in their second of three games. They crushed Russia. They crushed Wales. I'm pretty sure they crushed the Czech Republic and then it was, which then had them come up against England. And then of this like group of eight, I think the best game that happened uh, was, eh, I don't even know if there's like, they were all pretty good games. I think Italy, Belgium was really good though, just because it went to extended time. And those were like, if Belgium was on the other side of the bracket, I think that's who we'd probably be seeing in the finals right now, Italy, Belgium, but that was a lot of fun. Um, you have any comments on like any of the other games in particular? Uh, not exactly. No. Um, had a lot of games going to extra time. I just, I kind of want to talk about the, uh, about something that caught me off guard regarding uh, England semifinal yesterday, only yeah. because I, I saw the blurb that uh, Harry Kane's go ahead goal was the latest goal, go ahead goal in Euro history. And I'm like, at this point in sports, how are we still breaking records like that? <laughs> you know, it's like that late in a tournament game. Um, I figure something like that would have happened before, but I mean, Hey, I mean, Harry Kane's had a pretty good tournament. Uh, he's finally broken his Euro scoreless streak. Um, as mentioned by the commentators, pretty much five times a match. Uh, yeah. So, so seeing I mean, England, see, seeing England succeed and specifically him. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. England has had some good, uh, 
has had some good games, but I want to focus on the final now because I mean, personally, we both pick Italy to win this tournament, but at the same time, I kind of want Italy to win. I don't know why I don't like England. I don't know why, but I just, I don't want it to come home. I, maybe you can explain some of that to me, but <laughs> there's just this vibe. There's this vibe I get from the English people that it's just like, I don't like them. So you just want Twitter to begin to absolute meltdown after the game. I do. I, you know what? I think that might be what I'm rooting for. I just want, <laughs> look, because I, I remember, um, I remember in, I remember the world cup. I, uh, and I, I was actually rooting for, I, when it came time for a knockout stage, I, I decided to go with Belgium. Um, and they were in the same group as England. And I think they drew in their group game and that changed something. I don't know, but they both got to the semifinals and I, I, I didn't want it to come home then either. I don't know what it is. I don't like England. <laughs> um, I mean, the one thing for me in which is kind of, kind of stuck true since when we talked about the round of 16 predictions is, I, Gareth Southgate doesn't please me as a manager. Like, he has the players that he can put on the pitch and have an excellent team. And he's, like, putting players on the pitch almost like he's looking for a one nothing win or, like, to just scrape by. And it's like, you have Grealish, uh, Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho on your bench. Why are you not playing them? Like, sure, some players can look good. But, like, when you're changing up your lineup consistently, it's, it's not like you're, you know, playing your best eleven. You're just rotating players in. It's not like you're, and it's not even like he's rotating it to like, oh, this is the match to the team. The only time he really did that was against Germany, and I think he ran a three four two, uh, like a three back, just like they did. Yeah, I mean, he ran a three back. So, other than like Germany, he hasn't really changed his formation to match another team or to counter another team. So he's just kind of throwing in players and throwing players. It feels like he's throwing darts at a dartboard on who's going to get into the starting 11, other than like a couple secure guys like Harry Maguire, Harry Kane, Jordan Pickford, and those types of guys. So for me personally, just from a managerial standpoint, I want Italy to win because though one player who, I mean, uh, I think we should even uh, talk about some of the players who've really broken out in this tournament as well. But like one of them, Federico Chiesa in this knockout stage, like, uh, He's been solid, and sure, he's been on the bench, but it's not because, like, the, the lineups have played poorly. It's, he's not as natural on the left as someone like Insigne, who's a veteran of the Italian team. And then he's kept on Berardi because Berardi was good during the group stage. So I think that managerially, Italy is way clear, like, the Italian manager is way clear of Gareth Southgate. Um, but then in particular, I would still go Italy now because I just – am not confident in Southgate picking the right lineup. And he had a weaker uh, weaker run to the finals. Italy had, other than Austria, which Austria still tested them. It was the first goal they conceded in like eight months. It's, it was in that match. Um, Belgium was a bigger test than England, like way bigger than England coming up against Ukraine or Denmark. And then I would say Spain was definitely a bigger test than Ukraine. I wouldn't say bigger than Denmark. Spain has been a little bit leaky throughout this tournament. And I think that they kind of got lucky to not play France, um, or at least if France was consistent. But I think Italy's had a harder run to this. I think they've been managed very well. And other than, you know, losing their streak of not getting conceded on, they've, they've been able to pull through in games. So... I'm still pretty confident in Italy. Um, I don't know if you want to give a score prediction, but for myself, 
Um, I kind of do want to give a score prediction for this. I know it's in, like, trust me. I know it's in London. I know this is going to be big. I, I think it's going to be at Wembley. Um, but I'm still going Italy. I think they're going to deny it coming home. And I think it's going to be, honestly, probably two to one. It seems like, I, if I have it right, that's what most of these Italy games have ended as, other than Italy versus Spain. I don't think this is going into penalties. Um, maybe it can go into extended time, um, but I, I think it's going to end 2-1 in favor of the Italians, and they're just going to crush the hopes, hopes of the English fans basically in their biggest stadium. I, I wanted to ask you that because you mentioned something that we've talked about at length when, we co- when it comes to talking about Italy uh, regarding their goals conceded. They've given yeah. up goals in all three knockout stage games. Does that give you any cause for concern? Well, yeah, that, that's why I would definitely slap on a goal getting conceded in the finals for that 2-1. But, I mean, it, it does concern me, particularly when you're letting Austria score on you. Not not that Austria is bad, but just more for the sense that when you're getting into the knockout stage you, and with how good you've been performing, you would assume that that would be at your best in clutch time. Um, so it, it does concern me a bit. However... I don't know if England is going to have the right pieces to really take advantage of it. Like if England wants to win this match, here's how England wins. One of the best players uh, from this tournament, uh, I think his name's, I think it's Leandro. I could be wrong on his first name, but Spinazzola, the left back for Italy. He had been incredible. He even like basically saved a ball. Uh, I think like that was going on net on target to be a goal um, during the knockout stage. But other than, even other than that, He's been one of the best fullbacks, if not the best fullback in this tournament. And he went out injured, I think, in the Belgium match because he did something to his Achilles. And he's going to be out for like five to six months. If Southgate wants to make a lineup to win, you have to overload that right your offensive right-hand side. You need probably – I mean, Walker looks great last game. If you want to throw him in, that's fine. But I would say Kieran Trippier. And you've got to throw in Jaden Sancho. If you can overload that right-hand side and attack Emerson, which honestly with how he played um, against Spain, you should probably be starting Florenzi there instead. If you can overload that left-hand side, that's the weaker side of Italy right now. That's the side offensively that you can attack. And if you're able to keep pressing there and keep it, keep it, keep, you're going to get wear down Italy. And I think that England could win if they do that and if they actually have a strategy about it. If they don't and Southgate's just kind of playing favorites and throwing in his, his favorite boy in Mount and throwing in Saka, who he's taken liking to, and though I like Saka, he's looked pretty good in some of these games. Just I don't think Southgate will be able to bring it home for England. If you're able to do it right and if you're particularly able to take a, a advantage of that left defensive flank of Italy, I think that England could pull through. It's a lot closer than what I thought it was going to be um, going into it. Yeah, and um, I, I can't speak exactly on the matchups for and the manager matchup, but I, I do like the sound of your score prediction. I will say I do think it could go into extra time. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a bold prediction. England scores first, and the place just absolutely explodes off the map. Uh, but other than that, no, I do think Italy comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I, I mean – I'm not too worried about who scores first personally. I think I might have down on the predictor that I have an Italian. I think I've Insigne on that right-hand side uh, or attacking that English right-hand side. But no, I, I don't know exactly who's going to get it first. Um, but I just think that Italy's going to top uh, top them. 
I, as I said, I'm going to stick with a 2-1 score line. It seems like Italy hasn't been able to pull away during the knockout stage. Um, it's just going to be really interesting how this match goes. Um, and, I mean, yeah, as I said, it's going to be a lot closer than I originally thought it would be. And I think Italy or England honestly could have a good, like, hold on this match. It's just a function of can Italy really pull out that dominant, those dominant performances that they had before the groups, uh, before the knockout stage, because they've looked good in the knockout stage, but they haven't looked dominant. England has had a, at least a dominant game. Yeah. I get what you're saying when it comes to that, when it comes to any concern in that sense, like dominance versus non-dominance, but like you said, it's also the tougher schedule that they've had, that they've had to come across. So um, yeah, definitely excited for Sunday. Uh, and with that being said, were you looking at anything else that we needed to discuss today, or do you think this is a good place to wrap up? I mean, if you can think of like some players that have caught your eye during the tournament, I would definitely be willing to talk about some. But other than that, like, I don't know what See, else. See, that's what I, I don't. I don't think that's exactly my forte. Um, I mean, if you want to highlight a couple, go ahead. Just because I, 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 I'm trying to get into soccer, but I, I'm not quite at name recognition quite yet. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can completely get that. So to give you a few names uh, to look forward, not only as we get into the transfer market, um, but just in the future, uh, Denmark has Casper Dolberg and uh, Domsgaard. I'm forgetting his first name. It might be Mikel or something, but Domsgaard and Dolberg have been incredible for Denmark. Uh, Domsgaard being the uh, free kick scorer um, against England to put him up one, nothing early uh, yesterday. Um but Dom's has been great. He's young. He's 21. Uh, and he might, he could possibly receive a transfer. I think he is uh, currently out in Italy. I don't remember. I think it's, he's at Sampdoria right now. Um, but that's like a couple of Danishmen that have been good. And Dolberg in particular, he's someone that's kind of been like that quote unquote FIFA youth legend. legend. Um, just as like, he's one of the players that FIFA will hype up and give a lot of potential to. Um, but he actually did look solid this tournament and, He's currently playing in France right now. He might stay with Nice, particularly since they got the uh, manager who won league one, uh, Liga with uh, Los Gliers. For Italy, you have Chiesa, someone who I talked about. He's looked really good throughout the knockout stage. Um, the one player that really rose to fame was uh, Patrick Schick for Czech Republic. He's someone that looks incredible. Uh, I think he, you would remember talking about him if I said that he was the one that scored like that 50-yard bomb against uh, Scotland in the group stage. Uh, he was just incredible. He was up there for golden boot. Um, Daniel Malin, I mean, Netherlands got knocked out early, but I mean, to me, when I actually watched Netherlands, he looked solid. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, beyond that, Livakovic was also talked about as one of the better keepers of this tournament. Uh, and yeah, I mean, th- there's some other players here and there that have looked good. Like, uh, Ukraine had a couple and Yer- Yeramchuk and Yalamenko. Um, but yeah, definitely like if you go back and watch some of those matches and if you particularly go and look on like football Twitter and whatnot, there's been a lot of players, like there's definitely way more than I've even talked about, um, that have like really come out to shine this tournament. Um, and I think there's going to be like, there, there's definitely a lot of values that have arisen during the Euros. And the last name I'll even point out, though, it's really two matches in particular. It's going to be Pablo Sarabia. I think he's currently still with PSG, but he looked really solid for Spain. And he put that, he helped put them through, I think, to the Switzerland match. Um, 
So yeah, you, you have actually some good performances as some honestly some very surprising people coming uh, throughout this tournament. But uh, yeah, a lot of good young players really uh, strutting their stuff. The only one that really didn't sadly was Mbappe. And I just hope that he can do well for PSG after. So I think that's most of the players I have in all honesty. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's definitely been an exciting tournament. And I mean, when you get the stars of the world, because Europe is the biggest stage, I think, when it comes to this. I mean, you got the Copa America that's coming up. Uh, the championship is coming up. You're going to have um, Colombia versus Argentina. So that'll be a uh, th- that'll be an interesting game. But I feel like the the most talent is definitely focused in Europe. So this is like the premier continental championship obviously you have the world cup where it's on the world stage but yeah no it's definitely been fun to watch yeah it's it's been a really good tournament um i haven't kept up too much with copa america but i know that they've reached the finals and it's going to be neymar versus messi or argentina versus brazil so that that i say colombia uh yeah i mean yeah you you said colombia but colombia wasn't the semifinals so you know it's not like Okay, that's on me. I I thought I thought Neymar was uh, with Colombia, but that 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 one's on me. I mean, we get we get Gold Cup coming up soon. Yay! Yeah, I mean, I I wish we had Colombia in the finals over Argentina. That'd be cool. I I like Colombia a lot, but uh, yeah, we do have Gold Cup, and that should be starting uh, for America. It should be starting this Sunday. That starts Um, Sunday for the United States. Yep, we got we have some games on Saturday, but for the United States, they play Haiti on Sunday night. Yeah, but I don't know if it's going to be before or after um, the Euro Championship game. Um, but either way, just set your DVRs, set something on your calendar, and and just get ready to watch those, particularly Italy-England. It's because this is going to be like, you know, if Tampa Bay fans were excited for the Buccaneers to play, uh, to play Super Bowl in their home stadium, imagine how excited English fans are going to be for England playing inside their home stadium in a final, something that they have not won, I think, since 1966. I don't think they've won yeah. a big trophy since 66. Really, they're really going puts to it be in perspective. absolutely out of their They're going to be out of their minds. They're going to be stumbling out of the pub, that's for sure. A lot, <laughs> a lot of drunk beer bellies there. But, uh, yeah, it'll be an entertaining spectacle for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, I think that's where we're going to leave things off today. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, uh, thank you all for listening to the 3304 Sports Podcast. Other episodes available on Anchor and Spotify, including our previous one from a couple weeks ago where we highlighted the uh, NHL finals. But uh, we're going to get a recap with Nels Williams and Sean Lamba in eh, maybe a couple days. Why not? So For Colby and Bergstrom, I am Dan Steinbach. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and take care.